What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's edition of the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. Happy holidays, as we are on that week now. I uh, had to bring in a friend of mine who is a big Knicks fan because the Knicks are rolling <laughs> right now. Uh, my good friend, Mr. Mo Egger. And Mo, I had to make sure I looked at the schedule right this time. Last time we had you on the talk to Knicks, we cut the show early so you could go watch them play the Nuggets. This is a couple seasons ago. And I think they actually <laughs> lost by like 25. So I had to make sure they, they got housed. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Well, and, uh, you know, thank you for getting me during a winning streak because, uh, this has been, this has been the, the stretch they're in right now, like is maybe the fourth best stretch of basketball the Knicks have played in 20 plus years. So these are high times. Yeah. I was just looking at Sam Amico's page to see, cause I guess Tibbs was like typical Tibbs where he's like, whatever, this one streak doesn't matter. Um, literally use those exact words. To say like this game doesn't matter tomorrow doesn't matter is like I remember that from the Chicago days and then um, <laughs> Rick Carlisle I guess was like actually they're probably one of the best teams in the league right now and then there was a pretty cool stat in there that said they've given up the least amount of points in the league since December fourth yeah they've really locked in defensively they've played the the way you would expect a, a Tom Thibodeau team to to play on the defensive end Julius Randall to me has been the key to all that because. You know, we we know what he can do on the offensive end. We know what he can do on the offensive end when he's fully engaged. But last season, and I didn't watch every single game, but last year I I I saw a guy who just mailed things in defensively. And uh, now that they don't have the abject liability that he was last season, um, they've been markedly better. But then you add to it the fact that they've decided to finally play Deuce McBride. Uh, there's a really cool piece in the athletic about how Deuce McBride, who obviously played at West Virginia and Quentin Grimes at Houston have these arguments over which program, uh, you know, was, was the better defensive program. Well, uh, Deuce has been tremendous on the defensive end, a great disruptor since taking Derek Rose's minutes and Quentin Grimes. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, I watched Quentin Grimes. I watch Houston play a lot because yeah. they remind, they remind me of the late nineties Bearcats. I, I didn't think Quentin Grimes was a, a regular rotation NBA guy. And now what he's doing on both ends of the floor, but specifically on defense, it's been something they've put on the bench, the guys who weren't playing defense and they've increased the minutes for guys who have to play defense in this league to stick. And I think the result of that and Julius Randall, not being Julius is never going to be a great defensive player, but he can't be a liability. Last year, he was a liability. Uh, this year, not so much. And and I think uh, the, the winning streak is, is a direct result of those things. Yeah, I think one of the things that's really interesting, and you can probably tell me better than uh, most, obviously, it seems like the way that they kind of do their team, and you mentioned, you know, you don't play defense, you don't play, um, which is nice. But also kind of at times kind of seems like they kind of plug and play like a college team where it's like, all right, well, tonight uh, we're going to look at Emmanuel quickly to play about 25 minutes, Isaiah Hardenstein about 28, and Jericho Sims is going to play tonight because we need him here. <laughs> and then, like, the next night it'll be like, okay, so Quentin Grimes getting a bump up in minutes. Derek Rose is going to play about 10. It does kind of feel like it's like, depending on the matchup, it's how, how he boosts his rotation through, this, through the weeks. There's something really old school about him, both in terms of if you don't play defense, you're flat out not going to play. Um He's put Evan Fournier on the bench. Uh, he's put uh, rather famously Cam Reddish on the bench. He's put Derek Rose on the bench. He has no issue doing that. If you don't play defense, you're not going to play. It it shows you, I think, to a degree, maybe the level of juice that uh, Tibbs has. But uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, 
there are there are certain times where Jericho Sims is a good example. You'll look at a box score and you're like, "Wow, he played 22 minutes." <laughs> yeah. And then the next night, three. Uh, there's there's a little bit of an inconsistency, but this team isn't good enough to to not do that, right? They're not and and they're they're not experienced enough to not do that. I think. You know, you use the term plug and play, and I think it's appropriate, right? And again, Jericho Sims is is a, a primary example. There are certain opponents for whom you want him on the floor, and God knows there are certain opponents for whom you don't want him on the floor. Yeah. And I think it's cool to watch the uh, the distribution of minutes sort of come and go with, with that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit, obviously, about the win streak. Um, winners of the seven straight. During that time frame, the average point differential of 14.4 points per game. Uh, two of those wins came back-to-back against my team. I, I did <laughs> not appreciate those. Uh, also, I did because it, hopefully that pushes him to finally blow it up. But um, what's kind of jumped out to you the most in this win streak that's really kind of – you said it's one of the best stretches they've played in a long time, and right, obviously it has been. But what's been really the most impressive for you overall? Well, three things stand out to me. A, uh, R.J. Barrett's been a better shooter. Um, I've given up on the idea that RJ is going to be a consistent all-star caliber player in the NBA, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have value. Um, I sort of feel like his ceiling is now occasional all-star reserve. The first, you know, whatever it was, uh, 20 or so games this season, he was one of the least efficient players in the league. He's been better. And to me, it starts with his shot selection. So I, I go there. Then there's just been the dominance of, of Julius Randall. Um, look, he was never as good of a player as he made us think in 2021. I don't think he's as bad of a player as he was last year. There are still too many possessions. I mean, you saw it at, at the end of regulation, the first of those two games in Chicago where, you know, they, they come out of a timeout with a chance to win the game. They clear it out for him and the, the possession ends in a, a shot that barely, I don't even think it grazed the rim. Um, there's still some of that, but he's been really aggressive offensively. Um, and he shot the ball well. And, you know, he's also a, a pretty accomplished passer, but he's also posted a whole bunch of double doubles where he's really been a more willing rebounder than I thought he was last year. But the biggest thing for me is Jalen Brunson has been as good as advertised. And, you know, I think you saw it in that, uh, in that first Chicago game, you know, things were sort of going down downhill and there's a sense of, of calm that he brings the team. They're more organized. They get into their offense more quickly. Um, you know, I mean, is, is he the most dynamic guy off the bounce? Not, maybe not, but, uh, um, I, I, as for all the skepticism that was out there about, you know, first of all, the tampering. And then second of all, like, boy, is, is he really, you know, is is he really the uh, the kind of guy that you kind of want to revolve your entire offseason around? He's been terrific and sometimes measured statistically, but often just measured by watching them run their offense. Because in recent years, and by recent years, I mean, you know, pretty much every season since 1997, um, the, the Knicks have never been a really well-run club on the offensive end. And even when they've had high-end point guard play, it's often been because the point guard was looking to score first. And trust me, I'm not opposed to that. But I think with Jalen, it's a guy who's really good at initiating the offense. He can get his if he needs it. But I love point guards that just bring a sense of calm to the team. And he's done that. And I, I think he did that to a degree in Dallas. But watching the Knicks a hell of a lot more closely. Um, that's really stood out to me. He has been as good as advertised. Uh, is he, you know, and an, a, a top 20, 25 player, probably on the fringe of that, I guess, but he's been exactly what they've needed. And, uh, you know, he's, he's played through injury. I think to a degree, his effort has rubbed off on players like Julius Randall. He certainly tries to defend and, and look, he's got, you know, his own shooting issues, I guess, but, just the, the way he runs the offense has been maybe not a revelation, but it's, it's impressed me more than I thought it would. He's kind of that guy that you're like, if you didn't know he went to Villanova, you'd be like, 
he's got a lot of Villanova in him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I got to see him play every year for uh, his whole yeah. college career. And he's a lot of fun. He's really talented. And like you said, there's that calmness, that patience. Um, you know, not the greatest defensive player by any means, but he's going to fight on every defensive possession. Yeah, I love Jalen Brunson. I think he was definitely worth everything they brought in. You know, the, the Chicago game, the first one, they blow the lead. It goes to overtime. Terrible last possession. The Knicks, in my adult life, lose that game 10 times out of 10. On the road. Uh, just completely let the lead evaporate. And then they did two things. They locked in on defense. I think the Bulls, correct me if I'm wrong, scored, was it three points in overtime? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, not um, much. Right, but but more than anything, it was just Jalen Brunson on the floor. And, and yeah, he had 32 maybe in that game or something. You look at the numbers and go, boy, he was really good. But just, all right, we got this. We're good. And, you know, it's not a, a great Chicago team. But, but, but yeah, I mean, th- there was a sense of, Okay, five more minutes. We've been the better team. Let's run our stuff. Let's get a few stops. Uh, can our free throws and get the hell out of here? And that's been sorely lacking with this franchise again for almost my entire adult life. So uh, he's he he's been everything they said he was in Dallas, and and to a degree even more. It's been and 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 everything. You're right. I mean, having watched him, you know, at Villanova. I mean, there's there's. I think we all sort of have in our, our mind's eye, like what does a Villanova player look like at the next level? It's Jalen yeah. Brunson. Yeah. Him and Mikhail Bridges are like the perfect example. Yeah. So yeah. I like those guys. And then Cam Whitmore, when he comes out next year, <laughs> my goodness, he's unbelievable. <laughs> yes, man. Um, So I actually had slides for Brunson and Randall. Uh, so you brought them up a little bit, but um, there's a couple other guys in the team. I kind of want to get your thoughts on. And one of them is mm-hmm. actually Isaiah Hartenstein. I know yeah. a lot of people don't really get excited about backup centers per se, but he's been awesome. And he was like, he's just now been awesome. Like he was really good for the Clippers last year. He had a half season. He played for the Cavs where I'm, I'm shocked. The Cavs let him get out the door um, mm-hmm. again. You know, I understand they got Evan Mobley. Now he's, he's a good basketball player. I guess he's pretty solid. Um, but Hardenstein has been tremendous for them. Kind of t- like when Mitchell Robinson needs a breather, sometimes that, you know, you can see them playing on the court together because of that defense. I I've really, really been impressed with him. Thing I like most in role players. And I, I apply this more to college, I guess, than, than the NBA, because in college, you still have a lot of guys who think they're better than they are. I like guys who don't do things they can't do. I, I like guys who, you know, you'll look at a box score and it'll say, Hartenstein, 16 minutes, um, you know, six, six points, six rebounds, maybe a block. And you go, didn't even notice he was on the floor for 16 minutes. Didn't yeah. blow any defensive assignments, you know, stuff like that. And, and that's, that sounds stupid, but bad teams have bad benches. Bad teams have awful role players. And so when the Knicks acquired him this off season, you know, amid all the, the the back and forth about Donovan Mitchell and exactly what their draft strategy was, and then you know the the, the Jalen Brunson thing, very quietly they bring in a guy, and you know my take was, uh, bad teams have bad role players. A bad team just signed a good role player, and you know people kind of snicker at that, but bad teams have stars, right? I mean, maybe yeah. the Knicks didn't have a star. Bad teams have stars. They don't have depth. They don't have that second wave of guys. They rarely have quality bigs that can grab rebounds. And, you know, um, it, it's it's funny. I mean, last year uh, in, in the run with the Clippers, he was a, a dramatically better shooter yeah. than he was. I think he shot uh, 67, 68%. I, I, he's dramatically lower than that, although still well over 50%. And, and you really haven't even, haven't even noticed. Um, and he fits right in with what you know they they want him to do. And and you're right. I mean, Mitchell Robinson is the feature is the subject of a lot of you know uh, viral highlights that that people make a big deal about. I'm I'm gonna guess there there aren't many Isaiah Hartenstein highlights out there on Twitter. But if you watch the team play, uh, there's a sense of reliability he brings to the floor. And it was a sneaky good pickup. Um, in the middle of what was an off season that the, was dominated by, you know, talk of, of a lot of other things. Yeah. You mentioned uh, the Donovan Mitchell thing and the package that was obviously rumored was a pretty decent sized package. Uh, 
I got to ask after you know playing two straight games against Chicago, do you think as a Bulls fan we could interest you in that package for uh, Demar Derozan to come to town, back to come to the Garden? <laughs> what What do we have to give up for him? What What do we have to give up for Demar Derozan? Couple picks. I don't know how many picks they have left, but yeah. You know, Double picks and maybe Emmanuel quickly. I think the Bulls would be happy with that. You think you would take that? Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny that the Knicks. I mean, for the first time in in a very long time, they're they're sort of set uh, draft capital wise, and I am sort of intrigued how they're going to use it. Um, you know, the the real debate now is, and I don't listen to a lot of new york sports talk radio um uh, compared to what i used to mainly because it feels like they never talk about the knicks yeah. but um you know i've i've caught a handful of podcasts where the debate is okay what do you do randall and Toppin? do you trade randall now because he's having an excellent season and you know now this contract that a year ago looked like a terrible deal and now it looks like it's you know it's got some value to it um do you trade Obi Toppin? Can you trade Obi Toppin, a player who is still smoothing out the rough edges in his game and is also hurt right now? I I agree, and I was reluctant to do this. I, I I agree with the suggestion that it just makes no sense to have both those guys on the team together. Yeah. Right. Uh, Julius Randle is 28 years old. We're not talking about like a 30, you know, I, I think some, maybe because he looks like he's older and there are folks who think he's older than he is. He's in, in his prime, but Obi's about to turn 25. This isn't a 21 year old kid anymore. So, right. Um, if you trade Randall, well, what do you get back and how much does that torpedo your chances of, I don't know winning a playoff series, which has happened once in 20 plus years. Yeah. Uh, if you trade top in, I mean, it's a guy who less than three years ago was a lottery pick and who at the end of last season, when they were playing for nothing was terrific and athletically still has a ton of just raw talent. And I think there's still a really good NBA player there, but he's also, he's coming up for an extension like that dynamic to me. And maybe the way they play in the coming weeks is, is going to you know dramatically shape what they do. But it feels untenable to have Julius and and Obi, and it kills me to say that because I, as a UD grad, I'd love Obi Toppin, yeah. right? Um, then there's also like with with Randall, it it always feels like they're one, you know, they lose five out of six games away from his attitude, sort of going in the toilet, and then you know he torpedoes his value, so. I think that is a really fascinating dynamic. Um, what do they do? Because, I mean, even like folks who, when they drafted Obi, were like, ah, oh, they'll make it work with both guys. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. So what what they choose to do, if they choose to do anything, is going to be interesting. But yeah, I mean, they, they're sort of in a good place from a draft capital standpoint. And I mean, we, we both know they have the sixth seed right now, even if they're not uh championship contenders, that fan base is starving for that team to matter. Yeah. I'm starving for that team to matter in, in the spring. And so, you know, is there, is there a, a move that can dramatically increase their chances of at least being relevant? Um, I don't know. I, it, it, it they're still they're still so early in the season that as as much as you want to get caught up in a seven game winning streak, there have been these bursts before in the regular season that we kind of cling to, and then you know the the other shoe drops, and you know the the thing is they've they've got to play better at home too. They've been so good on the road, and and now you know they're coming home for a bunch. Uh, they've yeah. they've got to be better at MSG, and that it's been kind of a weird dynamic too. They've they've played great on the road, and at times they've uh, they've been pretty lackluster at home. I just gave yeah. you like seven answers to one question. I love it, man. That's that's why I love talking <laughs> pods with you. I think like every show I've ever had, I've been like, I got to have my one at least once. Um, so it works out. I'll tell you, um, maybe get your thoughts on this as a Knicks fan. I kind of think they're a fun potential Kyle Kuzma team. Now, I don't think Kyle Kuzma makes them over the, over the hump by any means, but right. a guy who can play the three, four, and small ball five, he can stretch the floor, he can hit threes. He's already told Washington, like, don't bother. I'm not signing back with you guys. I think, like, they're, they've just lost the last 10 games. So 
I think a Kuzma to the Knicks thing could be pretty fun. It's funny. Uh, the I, I'm gonna, I'm not going to mention who it was because I'll get it wrong. I read a Knicks blog this morning. Maybe it was yesterday. The days sort of run together sometimes, but it was it was about this exact topic. It was about the fit and and what it would what it would take. And and I agree with you. I mean, first of all, they 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 need some. They need they could use a, a stretch big. Uh, it, it's a trade that I think you could build pretty easily. There's a lot of different pieces the Knicks could dangle. Um, you know, Obi Toppin might end up having to be in in that mix, but uh, yeah. So he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. If you're mm-hmm. Washington, you don't want to lose him for nothing. Um, but also tell you there's going to be, I guess, a hell of a market for him. Yeah, there will there be. Are some, there, yeah, there are some deals. I'm sure the Knicks would love Washington to take off their hands. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I'd be okay. I would be okay with Kyle Kuzma in, in orange and blue. Absolutely. We finally got Josh in here to hang out with us. He uh, had to work today. Uh, so, Josh, we were just talking about the idea of Kyle Kuzma going to the Knicks. What are your thoughts? Oh, I'm jumping right in, huh? Yeah. You you come in. We're, right. already, we're 20 minutes into this. You got you to gotta hop. You got to be ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I was already a fan of I, – I felt like Kuzma could have been a decent piece of the core for the Lakers to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen some improvement with him over at Washington – um, he seems like he wants to be the guy to kind of take the rings and be that lead guy. I mean, obviously under Bradley Beal. Um, and, you know, he, he's talking about how he feels that he can be, you know, the guy inside of, a, of an offense. He wants the ball to go through him. So I say, why not? Uh, yeah, I like it. I think that him, RJ, Randall and Brunson at least make a series really fun. Uh, and Mitchell, obviously, yeah. I think, you know, you go with those guys. But what's the kind of, you know, you mentioned in earlier in the show, Cam Reddish has kind of famously been set out. He's been linked to the Lakers in a few different trades. Are like, are Knicks fans kind of just ready to move on from him? What's kind of his situation? Uh, I know I am. I figured um, you were. He was terrific in the season opener, and uh, he's been awful since. And, you know, just sort of a weird player, weird fit. It's it's at times hard to articulate any one thing he does exceptionally well, but uh, when he was getting normal rotation minutes, uh, at least from what I watched, he just wasn't a fit at all defensively. And, you know, we talked about that at the, at the top, um, right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, for Thibs, if, if you don't, if you don't play defense, you're not going to get minutes. And, and not only, not only is his defense bad is, is his defensive effort was at times comically bad. And so then you have to make up for that by being, and, they they have a lot of guys like him who are, you know, sort of have a, I guess, a somewhat similar offensive skill set. So he doesn't separate himself offensively. Um, again, I mean, th- d- despite their recent success, he's a non-rotational player on a very okay team that I would say yeah. is probably still um, a good bet to not to not make the playoffs, right? I, or or at least just play in the play in, right? I mean, I hope I'm wrong about that, but. He's a non-rotational guy entering what just should be the prime of his career. And he's not getting major minutes for a six seed that just now has had to go on this massive surge to get above 500. Not a lot of value there. I'm guessing Uh, it would be if they moved him his, the second time he's been dealt with in a year, it's just, you know, I I guess to a degree limits the market as well, but yeah, from my standpoint and, uh, I would imagine most Knicks fans would agree. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to end the. I was, I was on board with the Cam Reddish experiment when it started, but I'm, I'm ready to move on from the Cam Reddish experiment. He just feels like one of those guys where it's like, like, yeah, he's really talented, and it's like, yeah, that's great, but like, what does he bring? Like, does he work hard? Does he, right. you know, does he pick up defensive assignments? I feel like, like, I would love Reddish as a role player on my team, like as just a shooter. Strictly shooter, spot up shooter, come off screens on the triple handoff, mm-hmm. sign me up. But yeah, like you said, like no defensive effort. Doesn't seem like he really likes basketball at times. <laughs> um, so it is kind of like really frustrating. And- well, even like they 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 benched him, and there was a story in one of the New York papers about how he just he kind of just accepted his benching. Like really, yeah. 
like uh, you just going to didn't piss him off, didn't anger him, didn't compel him to you know, put extra time in, you know, I just it was I read the piece and I think the intention of the writer was to make it seem like, yeah, Cam's a team guy and he's not going to cause waves and I'm like, you know, you could you could be pissed about being benched without causing waves. And he just yeah. was sort of like, Oh yeah, you know, whatever Tibbs wants. And it's like, you know, you're, you're entering what should be the prime of your, your NBA career. Like, and th- this, this team is, is dying for somebody, you know, you know, obviously they've played well since they shortened the rotation, but they're, they're dying for somebody who's supposed to be able to do what you're supposed to be able to do. And you're just going to shrug your shoulders and go, eh. and that was the gist of the story. And I don't like that. Like I I want the guy who's like, man, F this. I don't know when I'm going to get my opportunity, but when I do, I'm going to play my way back into the rotation. I'm going to stick it to Tibbs. And uh, you know what? As soon as I can get out of here, I will. Instead, it was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm benched. Okay, cool. You know, other guys are taking my minutes. That was uh, to a degree disheartening. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll tell you, you said earlier, what would it take to get to Marta Rosen? I bet you you could convince some Bulls fans, not, not me, and Josh by any means, but I bet you if the Knicks like dangled Derrick Rose and been like, look, Derrick Rose or DeMar, <laughs> there were Bulls fans that would be like, I'm in. Sign me up. Well, let's do it. He he got a, a huge ovation the other night when they put him in a game. And so they, they yeah, seem MVP to still love chance. him. And yeah, they seem to still love him. And, and Bulls fans should. I mean, he, you know, the 2011, 2012 season was awesome uh, and heartbreaking. But yeah, I, I think Knicks fans would, would also gladly. Uh, at all and somebody who is just i i really love derrick rose as a player um me too and and have wanted the renaissance to happen and and it just you know with it with the exception of a few fleeting moments here and there it just it just hasn't taken um and by all accounts you know he has the right attitude about what's happened with his minutes and he's sort of been cool with with helping out uh deuce mcbride who's taken his majority of his minutes but it, it just it it hasn't worked and so i would be in favor of anything that would allow him to uh carve out another another chapter in his nba career so How i have it a, been for you to have a deuce on your team a local cincinnati kid playing for your favorite team that's gonna be neat it was well you know it was cool um my producer taron bland i said to him this summer i'm like why don't you get deuce on with us and uh he came on and he was awesome and and he's awesome you know he uh i think he thought you know he was just gonna come on because he's from cincinnati and i'm in cincinnati and then i think about four or five minutes into the interview he's like wait a minute this guy's like a knicks fan he was like (laughs) streams g league games and and like i i think and so he sort of lit up right and it was it was right before uh, he left for summer league. And it was also weird because, you know, during the summer as everybody was talking about the Knicks making the trade with Utah deuces name came up. And so there was the awkwardness of that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's cool. I- I've long lobbied for him to get his chance. And, uh, on the defensive end, he's been disruptive. And, and I think a lot of us thought that that's, that's what he could be. And he has been. And so, yeah, it's been, you know, if, if we could ever get Obi healthy, and then you have the Dayton guy and the the you know the, the yeah. Cincinnati guy in the floor together, dude. That'd be, you know, all we would have to do then is go sign Gary Clark. I was Clark getting, I was waiting to see how long it'd be before Derek Gary Clark came up in this show. Do I have you? Yes, know? I hear you. I I, uh, I see your mouth moving. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, internet, internet, internet radio. This is why you guys get to do the big time. All good. Yeah. So, so yeah. since you guys we had a guy talking, on the radio with us from uh could yeah uh no i just had a question with the Knicks schedule um you know they've won what seven in a row and they yep. they have a four game seven. homestand seven in a row then they have a four game homestand that runs them into christmas day and in that four game homestand they play golden state toronto philadelphia and then the bulls again Apparently they're going to play the Bulls every, you know, three or four days here for the rest <laughs> of the year. Um, and then they go on the road against Dallas. Um, and then in, in the next out of that, in their next 12, they also play the Raptors again and they play Phoenix, the Bucks and the Pacers. So how long do you see them playing in this this seven game win streak? I know they've been playing well and they started off beating Cleveland, which was a big win. 
Um, Mm -hmm. How long do you see them playing into this winning streak until they actually take a loss? Uh, Well, uh, the fact that eight-game winning streaks for the New York Knicks are rare, I'll say tomorrow night against the Golden State Warriors because this is how my life works. (laughs) Um, Even in the uh, state of disrepair that the uh, the Golden State Warriors are are in, I, you know, look, they first of all we, we talked about this before. They 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 got to play better at home. Um, you know, they they just killed it. You know, admittedly against teams that aren't aren't great. Uh, they did blow out Atlanta at home. They did have that win over the Cavs that you've talked about prior to that. They they took a couple of pretty lopsided losses at home. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm interested in seeing how they play Philly, the the Sixers. Uh, you know, obviously, on 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 paper, have a, a dramatically better team, but you know, they all well versed in what's what's happening there. Uh, in, in terms of who's going to win regular season NBA basketball games on an on an individual lace on an individual basis, I, I think that could be a little bit uh, a little bit wrought with. Uh, um, danger, but with their next four at home, you got to win at home. Golden State's a mess right now. The Raptors aren't great. Chicago's not very good. The 76ers are very meh. Can you win three out of four at home before you take the uh, the Texas trip to round out the year? Um, I would like to think so. And then, you know, Dallas, it's, it's like playing Knicks West with all the former Knicks on that team. San Antonio's <laughs> terrible. Houston, no. I mean, they've, they've got a little bit of a, a chance to, I would stop way short of saying they're going to win all these, you know, whatever it is, the next seven. We're not going to be talking about a 14-game winning streak, but can they win five of the next seven? Yeah. The way they're playing now, the way they're defending with what they're getting from, uh, from Jalen. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think Philly played us on, Christmas last year, if I'm not mistaken, and Tyrese Maxey just carved us up. So, a, uh, yeah, he destroyed us. Uh, well, I know it's early. So a, I, I know yeah. it's early in the season, um, but the I mean the Knicks are in the sixth spot, and they're mm-hmm. what one and a, one and a half games back from Brooklyn for being number two seed. So if they win three out of those four, and you know, let's say somebody slips in between there, obviously they're moving spots really fast. Like I said, I know it's early in the season, but like I'm sure that 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 those conference slidings like that matters, you know, towards the end of the season. Like we see how when teams start sliding places and is there a team that that you feel like with the Knicks that you don't match up with? Well, that like, let's say they do make it into the playoffs. That's a team that you do not want to play. I uh, wouldn't want to play the Boston Celtics. I know, I know that. Uh which, which goes which goes well. I'm saying if like, you were if 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 the Knicks gotten one of those top four seeds, like a team mm, on the backside that you wouldn't want to play, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, um, the star power on that team. Plus, it would just suck to lose a playoff series to them. So, uh, the 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 Brooklyn Nets. I mean, Kevin Durant's still terrifying. When, when, when you're, uh, when you're on the other team, when you're rooting for the other team. And so, uh, I don't think they could beat them four times. I think it'd be an interesting series. It'd be fun. You know, people on the East coast would love it. Uh, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have to try to, I mean, look, if you tell me right now, they miss the play and they avoid the play in and they're going to play in the playoffs is like a real playoff team. I mean, there's a part of me that would just say, yep, sign me the hell up for that. But, um, as fun as Cleveland is, you know, I think the Knicks could beat them in a series. I don't think they could beat a fully engaged, locked in Brooklyn squad. There's just, despite injury, despite age, whatever social media goofiness there is, I don't trust this team to beat Katie four times out of seven. Yeah, that's scary. Well, hey man, um, you know, if you want to hang out a little bit more, we're going to talk about the rest of the league. You're more than welcome. But if you got to go do something, by all means, so we understand. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to, uh, I, I, I have to tend to my daughter. So I'll just put it that way. <laughs> I understand. But, I will be I, joining I will, you. I will. I will. At uh, yes, that's right. Yes. All right. Yeah. You'll, you'll, Six uh, weeks. You'll know what I'm, oh man. Uh, <laughs> good luck with that.
Yeah. It's coming quick, actually, man. Actually, it might be five weeks. My wife just said that well, we measured a week. We're measuring a week early right now. So, yeesh, a little nervous. Yeah. Uh, but no, some other time. I appreciate It's always fun to talk about the Knicks. I never yeah. get a chance to. So, I appreciate you asking me. Yeah, man. Anytime. I love having you on, as you know. Uh, you're one of my favorite people to hang out with at the basketball games this season. So, I will right. see you uh, Wednesday at the shoe. For that big Detroit mercy tilt. Yeah. Antoine Davis on the chase to be the all-time leading scorer in NCAA history. So That's right. Hey, yes. That's right. Okay. Well, there's a reason to care. And it's ugly Christmas sweater night, I think, right? Oh, you're right. You're right. Does yeah. that count for media? Uh, It can. It okay. can. Uh, It never does for me because I always forget. But, yeah, it can. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. Well, Bo, thanks for everything. I love talking to Knicks with you. Anytime, Anytime man. Come thanks. On, man. All right, guys. Thank you. See you, Bo. All right, see you guys see you later, Mo. Yep. Take care. All right. Well, that was Mo Egger of locally of ESPN 1530 hanging out with us, talking a little Knicks. So it's always cool to get the local guy that loves the NBA when you live where we live. So I love hanging out with Mo. It's always a lot of fun. But Josh. Yeah, I kind of wish he would have had a little bit more time. I was thinking about, I wanted to bring up, you know, some of those 90s Knicks teams, you know, and like just how we, you know, being Bulls fans, I mean, those battles that we used to have with them and what, what the Knicks have to do to get back to that, like upper echelon of, you know, NBA royalty. I mean, they didn't make the finals the one year, um, mm -hmm. you know, when they had Patrick Ewing and all those, all those boys, but uh, twice. No, that is like twice. Yeah. Lost to Houston, lost over San Antonio. Yeah. Yep. San Antonio. Got it. Dude, that was later on. Um, yeah, it's so yeah, man. Let's let's get it going. All right, we only got a couple more segments here, but this is one I've been just waiting to talk about. I've just been so excited about. And Josh, Orlando Magic are finally building a core to be excited about. Um, they are winners of six straight. They just beat Boston twice in a row in the Garden. Paolo Bancaro, as you know, is just super special. Just super special offensive talent. Uh, just easy buckets for him. He's just a, such, such a prolific, off, prolific scorer. Has so much offensive awareness for a rookie. It's it's honestly really impressive. Uh, and then you look at Markel Fultz. I think we can go ahead and take out, like, for Markel Fultz. You know, he's always got this bust label. But, like, he's been in the league six years. And he's playing. He may not be a, he may not have lived up to expectations of what he was as the number one overall pick, but I don't call him a bust because he's still playing and he's still, and he's still contributing. Um, you know, so Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony's been in and out. Wendell Carter's been hurt for a while and they're winning without him. And a lot of people can say Wendell's probably their best player. Maybe Paolo's now taking that. And of course, you know, I got to mention my guy. You know, I got to mention Bull Bull and what he's doing is playing 7 2 point, taking the ball up and doing his thing. Uh, obviously, I'm not saying that this team's going to like go on a run and get in the play-in by any means. I think they're in the Wembeyama sweet stakes, but player development looks good. What they're putting together looks like a lot of fun, a lot of young rosters. I kind of described it, Josh, as um, they're like the minor league baseball organization. It's like, this guy does this right. This guy does this right. This guy does this right. Let's throw them out there and see if they can actually play. And it's working to an extent. So let's so let's just let's just like list the guys that that get some clock right, um, mm -hmm. that have you know ample minutes. So you know Banchero, you know he was the number one pick in the draft. Now, first things first, I will tell everybody with the Orlando Magic, every time that they've had the number one pick in the draft, they have been something special during that time, right? Mm -hmm. So they got Shaq. Dwight Howard. Um, and now they got Chris Banchero Weber technically. Now. And Chris Weber technically, yeah. So yeah. you have Banchero, he's 20 years old. Um, you have Franz Wagner, he's 21 years old. You have Carter Jr., 23 years old. Jalen Suggs is 21 years old. Cole Anthony is 22 years old. Bo Bowl, 23 years old. Markel Foltz is only 24 years old. Uh, Wagner is 25 years old. RJ Hampton, 21 years old. You know, if you want to look down the list and go Kiki and Mo Bomber, 24 years old. And then you have their two veterans. Gary Harris is only 28. 
And then you got Terrence Ross, you know, who's that 31. Um, they do got a couple guys on the roster. Um, uh, Schofield from Tennessee uh, mm-hmm. doesn't get a lot of PT, but he's in there. Kevin Harris. But I'm like, this team is young. They are so young. And we still don't even know how some of these guys are going to develop yet. You know, RJ Hampton came pretty much straight out of high school. Um, you got Mo Bamba, you know, he was a year at Texas. Uh, and and you mentioned Markel Fultz, who has been just injured, right? But I feel like when he's healthy, like he gives you yeah. a lot on the floor. Like when he's had stretches where he can get back into a rhythm, like you kind of see glow. All right. I think uh I think we lost Josh. He's he's freezing up. So I think what he was saying is uh when Markel Fultz is on the floor. He's giving teams a lot, and he's been really, really talented for them. Um, I've always been a Fultz believer. I didn't know, you know, I I said I would have taken him with the first overall pick. I thought with what he put on tape at Washington, thought it made a lot of sense. It just didn't work out, and I think, you know, he was a guy who totally needed a change of scenery, and you saw what happened there. It just kind of, you know, I know he hasn't played a ton of basketball games, and I, but Orlando's been a good spot for him. You know, and like Josh said, he's battled a lot of injuries. And he's, but he's been able to make a lot of plays. He's been really impressive there. So I'm excited to see what they can do. Uh, they're the team that I think I want to get Wembeyama the most. And why I say that is, like I said, they're a team that kind of goes like, uh, this guy can shoot. This guy can play defense. This guy can, can attack the rim. This guy will block shots. Um, this guy gets steals. This guy's a really good uh, distributor. And I think that's what really makes him exciting. And so if you look at like a minor league system, you know, you get guys like uh, I do. I made the joke. What I say, why I say they're like a minor league baseball team is they'll go get guys like this guy throws a hundred. This guy hits 55 bombs and they just kind of mesh it all together and see what happens and comes out of it. So uh, Josh, go ahead and pick up what you're saying there. You, you broke up right when you said Markel Fultz gets past being injured. He brings what to the team? Oh, I said, I said, you see glimpses of where, why he, why Philly wanted him at the number one pick. Like he shows these little flashes yeah. of why that was a thing. And, um, you know me, I'm always for the guy. Like, I just want him to, I just want him to stay healthy. I want to see him healthy. Me too. Um, I want to see how he fits in with the rest of that team. But like you said, this team, if they're all about development and let's say that they, that, you know, they do end up in that lottery and, and they get Victor, like, Lord help me. Um, come you know two years from now i mean you could see the orlando magic being like kind of that golden state Fran warrior like dynasty type team that we could see playing well into you know the next 10 years of playing for nba championships dude the Cavs just won again they're 15 and 2 at home yeah they were beating up on the jazz pretty bad yeah, they won 122 to 99. And uh Spida had 23. And Garland's tremendous, isn't he? Um Jenny so Osmond never thought, scoring tonight with 22. I never thought as a as a um as a cap as a as a Bulls fan that I would ever cheer for Cleveland. I know that I'm not super big on a LeBron a LeBron fan, but now that they got my boy Mitchell there you know, me being a big Louisville fan. And like, I think everybody's now starting to see, like, it wasn't a fluke in Utah. Like he's really good. And he's kind of catapulted this team into like that next um, upper echelon of being like top four. <coughs> Sorry. Top four of one of those teams that can make some noise in the East. I still don't even think they've played their. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Wednesday is a big game for them. They host Milwaukee at home. Uh, so that's good at the queue. Uh, man, that's gonna be a rocking atmosphere. Uh, the, you know, two of the top three teams in the East right now, according to the seating. So that's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm excited. I'll be, I'll be make sure I'm tuned into that one. You all right over there, buddy? Yeah, my note, I'm sneezing. Sorry. Yeah. You're good. I mean, we said at the beginning of the year that we thought Cleveland would be a, you know, we could probably sneak into that that four or five spot, and they're holding steady at the three seed right now. 
you know, a little bit over a quarter of the way through the season. I mean, this could be something that could be potentially for us to start looking at down the road. Like Boston starts a little bit or Milwaukee goes on a slide. And next thing we know, Cleveland like sneaks up and gets this, you know, a tier, uh, you know, they stay in that three seed. Like that's, that's a little crazy. Yeah, it is, man. I agree. Um, so yeah, that's a team that like you, you better like make sure they don't get a top four seed, make sure they don't get home court advantage because they don't lose at home. So exactly. Yeah. That's what they we're seeing. They do not lose at home. Yeah. All right, man. So I want to do this exercise to end the show tonight. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit about, actually we'll talk a little about the Christmas day games and get our thoughts on those. Um, but I didn't make a slide on that. That's on me, but let's kind of look at the panic meter on some teams here. So we're going to give these teams here a scale of one to 10 at our panic level for them. Um, this is just kind of talk about like how things are going right now. They aren't very fun. Uh, so we'll start at the bottom. The Washington Wizards, losers of 10 straight. We just talked with Mo about Kyle Kuzma potentially being a New York Nick. And the was, you know, the Wizards just holding on to guys like Beal. Um, obviously, how you know they got they go and get Porzingis. I think that was like a move for them. He's played very well. But I think this is a 10, right? You can't lose 10 in a row in the NBA and expect to kind of come out of this. Um, they're outside of the play in now, you know, so they don't have a they don't have seating in their favor. I'm a 10. I'm a 10. I thought I really liked the Wizards going into this season. I thought they had a lot to be excited about. I was definitely wrong. Yeah, they um, how they lost that game to the Lakers Sunday or last night. I think that made me kind of be a little bit out on them. Like they they were in total control of that game. They fought back, got the lead, and then the craziness that happened at the end of that game with LeBron getting that loose ball and throwing that dime. I was like, yeah, it's just not in it for him. And you're right. I know Beal said he. He 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 came back to the Wizards because he said nobody that was a winner wanted to take him in. I I couldn't see a team making a playoff run not wanting somebody like a Bradley Beal or or services of a Kyle Kuzma or I'm sure there's certain teams that even Porzingis would fit on that he would be able to help a oh, lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's time to go ahead and and just blow that up and start from scratch. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the Toronto Raptors losers of five straight. Scotty Barnes has really kind of taken a step back. Honestly, if you look at what he's been, what he's been doing this year, uh, Fred Van Vliet has just not found his shooting form. He's just not who he was the year they won the title. And it's shocking because I thought he'd just forever be a bucket getter. Um, but Pascal Siakam has obviously played really well this year. I think um, I'm not a 10 on the Raptors. I'm probably more like a six because they still have really good players. But things are not looking good for them right now. Here's here's why I'm not out on the Raptors yet. I know they're two and eight in their last ten. They're five in a row that they've lost. But how many times have we said, "Hey, we're out on the Raptors," and then and they make this run and they get themselves back into playoff contention? You got to think, man, they've had tons of injuries already. I mean, Siakam missed, I don't know what he missed, two weeks, three weeks of the season already? Yeah. And you know as well as I do, man, you need your core to be able to play together for a while, just to gel, to be able to figure it out. So I'm not I'm not out on them yet. Um, they got a decent little stretch coming up, though, where they go Knicks, Cavs, Clippers, Grizzlies, and Suns. Um, after that stretch, I might be out on them. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. I might be. That's a scary stretch. So it's nuts. Yeah. Oh, and then they so, go Pacers, Bucks, Knicks, Trailblazers. So they got a nice. They got a nice little stretch of some competitive basketball coming up. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. If they come out of that stretch 500 or something like that, then I'm like, okay. I'm sold. Yeah, they I'm can, with they you. They can get back in it. But like I said, they're always a team that fights. We'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. 
Minnesota Timberwolves are 15 and 15 right now. Um, they are 10th in the West, so they're technically still in the play-in. But Carl Anthony Towns is out four to six weeks. Jordan McLaughlin's been out. Uh, Torian Prince has been out. Rudy Gobert's out tonight. Kyle Anderson's been out quite like fairly often. And if you look at what those guys that they traded to Utah are doing, they're playing pretty well. I don't know if like I'm not gonna say I didn't like like the Rudy Gobert trade for them, but I definitely thought they'd be better. And like you said, it could just be a situation where they got to play more together to figure this out. But I'm not very confident in that organization to be able to put things together. I don't think history is on their side to say that they can. I know last year was awesome, and they do have guys like Anthony Edwards. Um, but I think the, between these injuries and Cat and Gobert do not look comfortable together on the floor at all. It just looks like it's a weird fit. I'm going to say I'm probably about a seven on my panic level for them. I don't see a situation where they can win a playoff series. I was not a fan of the trade to begin with. Um, you got this young talent in Anthony Edwards, and you got a big that can stretch the floor and cat, and then you bring somebody in that can't stretch the floor and he has to play in the paint, uh, uh, you know, up against the rim. It just it doesn't it it didn't feel right to me to begin with, and 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 I don't think that there's nothing they can do about it to make it work here moving forward. That was just. I felt like they already had a team that was in place and that was not the right piece that they needed. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. Um, I think if I'm them, I'm shopping D'Lo. He's a restrict. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, I think cat is probably tradable. Honestly. Um, cat, huh? Yeah, I do. I think that, but who knows, man? Um, I just don't see a situation where they, you know, they make some noise by any means. All right, two more. The Chicago Bulls, 11 and 18, four straight losses, including last night against a shorthanded Minnesota team, giving up 150 points. It's over. I can't, I can't see any. It's over. Um, get what you can for tomorrow at this point. If you can throw Vooch into a trade, make it happen. I don't see any reason to believe in Lonzo Ball is going to play basketball in the near future, uh, maybe ever, um, because I guess most recently he said that he ran. He didn't have any setbacks when he ran, but he did feel pain. And so I don't know, man. I just I don't feel good about the situation. You have a, Your pick is top four protected. So if you pick at the top four in this draft coming up, you have your draft pick there's no reason to keep this together i'm a 10 a lot of that's obviously being a bulls fan but end it just end it i didn't want to say this out loud but i was kind of out when i found out ball blonzo wasn't playing and i know yeah. that sounds weird about one guy but we all saw what we had on the floor when we had damar levine uh vooch and lonzo out there with Caruso, boy, they were so much fun to watch. And yeah, they were. we thought that we had a team that, you know, over the next few years, you put a couple more pieces around and we thought we were going to see some ascending of Pat Williams um, and AO uh, who both are, you know, I feel are decent, you know, ball players, but they're Patrick Williams has been a little bit of a disappointment up to this point, um, mm -hmm. you know, and then I, I think AO is still trying to figure out what his role is. But um, once I heard Lonzo Ball wasn't coming back, I just knew this team was was not in a position to be able to compete because he he's a legit – he's a real floor general. Like he is a guy that gets out there and he can kind of controls everything that goes on. And we both know Levine and DeRozan are just not point guards. As much as I love Caruso, he's not really a point guard. Drogic's 36. Um, it, yeah, it, it's it's a wrap. I agree. I just think that, look, I fully commend them for doing what they did last offseason. It was awesome. I, I, I was so excited, um, you know, getting DeBar and getting Caruso. 
we already knew they were getting Lonzo. So getting those two was pretty fun. And like you said, when they were on the floor together, it looked like they had something special, but they just haven't been able to be on the floor together. Um, I do think Ayo is a good player. I just don't think he's a point guard. And I think that's what kind of is, like you said, kind of trying to find his role. I think he's a really good perimeter defender, but, you know, he's got to be able to bring more than that. And that's not his fault. That's not his fault at all. Um, you know, Andre Drummond should not be your big free agent marquee signing. It should not be for any team. Um, they did bring in, uh, they cut baby onto Takumpo. Did you see that? They brought in Carolyn Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that does anything for them, but you know, cool for the cool for Jones. Um, all right. Last team is the golden state warriors losers. The last five of their last seven Curry now out. Um, this is kind of one of those where the foundation might be being tested because we always thought, you know, the foundation will make sure they're okay. Um, but not only is Curry out, but Andrew Wiggins has been out. He was not going to play the last two games of this road trip. Clay Thompson's day to day. Kuminga has been day to day. These young guys, they've gone and gotten to get, you know, the Wiseman's, the Patrick Baldwin's, the Jonathan Kuminga's, the Moses Moody's have not really been what they had hoped for. You look at, you know, Draymond Green hasn't necessarily been good. He also punched a teammate in the face this year. And what? Jordan Poole was in <laughs> Jordan Poole was incredible last night. He was awesome. So, you know, can he kind of take this offensive on his own for however long he's going to while Curry's out? I wouldn't say I'm like pushing the panic button yet. I'm probably like in that orange there, probably like the four or five, because it's the Warriors and they always pull something out and they're just such a smart organization. But the fact that Bob Myers is like apparently like leaking to the press that he's ready for a contract extension during the season before Christmas, not a good sign. No, and I think really what this comes down to is how injured is Steph Curry. And they're saying he's, you know, so when you get the air quotes, he's going to miss a few weeks. You know, what does that mean? You know, what's the actual injury? Are we talking three weeks? Are we talking six to eight weeks? Because I'm like, if it's six to eight weeks, like, yeah, they're done. Like, their season's done. Like, they, I don't think they can dig out yeah. of that hole. If you tell me it's two to three weeks and you say, hey, guys, I just need you to hold ship, stay at 500. If you can stay at 500 or somewhere around 500 until we get, the, you know, the, the, the band back together, this team can beat anybody on any, any given night. And that's the one team I wouldn't want to play um in a series uh they're also a team that doesn't lose at home uh when they have their full squad uh we also know they can't win on the road either so yeah <laughs> uh that's so that that's really that's really more so for me is how long is curry actually out yeah i agree um yeah i mean you don't ever want that to be the case like the Bulls' last dance was strictly because it was like, they're like, we don't want to pay Phil Jackson. And everyone else was like, well, I'm only playing here if Phil Jackson's the coach. Where this is like, everyone's getting injured. And Draymond just has been not very good this year. So it definitely yep. stinks because uh, they're a joy when they're when everything's clicking. But let's like, I think I sent you guys in the text the other day that, uh, you know, maybe they're just like pulling our leg and maybe they're just getting in the Wimbayama sweepstakes and just so they can like put him on that team and just be awesome Dude, again for another few years. You know what's years. crazy is I know people don't like conspiracy theories or like wild like rumors and stuff like that. But I mean, it it's it's plausible. It is plausible that that is what they are doing. Yeah, it is. Hey, man. we know we know that this run with with our with our core group is is coming to an end what we want to do is we want to see this kind of stretch itself out so what we're going to do is is we're going to get the guys in while we still have that core here and just kind of run with it it's just going to keep going so you get victor right who's like an all-time right now is what they're saying he's like an you know they're comparing him like we haven't drafted anybody in the nba like him since lebron james that just shows you go what's that 20 years now of it's been 20 20 years years. like since we've had a guy that we've been this high on in a draft. I mean, I know we've, we've seen the, 
you know, the, the Zions and all that stuff. But like, this is a different type of hype. And then you see the tape and you understand why. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's definitely a lot of fun to watch. It'd be fun. Um, I don't really think they think they might think that way. Uh, but who knows? Um, all right, before we get out of here, Christmas day games. So normally like you get stoked for these, right? But with all the injuries, it's kind of like a little bit of a bummer. So Philly looks like they'll be without Tyrese Maxey. The Lakers won't have Anthony Davis. Um, Milwaukee, Boston, that should be healthy. The Warriors won't have Steph against the Grizzlies. And then the Suns and the Nuggets, who knows who's going to be hurt by them? Probably Chris Paul again. Um, he is playing tonight against the Lakers. But I feel like uh, I'm always excited for Christmas Day games. It's one of my favorite like favorite NBA things every year. Um, but this kind of feels a little more like of a bummer just because of how many guys are injured this year. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. Bucks, Celtics, Grizzlies, Warriors were the two games that I was definitely looking at. Um, yeah. All the smack no talk. No Desmond Bain, the, no Steph Curry. Yeah. Bummer. All the smack talk between the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Uh, and then we've seen the Bucks and the Celtics last year in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, you just – you you want to see that rematch. Um, the Lakers without AD. I mean, Not I mean, yeah, you get Luka and LeBron, but, you know, and then Suns and Nuggets – you never know which Nuggets team is going to show up, but you, I mean, you get Joker versus, you know, the Suns players. So, but yeah, those first two, those two games that I mentioned first, like those were definitely like my, the two games that I was like, all right, at five o'clock and at eight o'clock, like I'm glued in. I've opened up presents, taken a nap, got back up, ate some lunch, maybe took another nap, might miss a little bit of the noon game, see a little bit of the early game, the two thirty game, but I'm glued at the TV at five o'clock and I'm probably watching the rest of the night. Yeah. But also the NFL's on Christmas day a little bit this year too. So that makes it like a little bit of a competition. So it's going to be interesting how the, how, I mean, I know the NBA will never beat the NFL in a ratings war by any means, which, but like, honestly, I mean, the only reason that it doesn't, I know people have to understand these guys play three and four games a week. You know, yeah. the NFL is on once a week. It's one Sunday of the month. Yeah. If the NBA only played one game a week and it was on a Sunday or a Saturday, it'd probably be a whole different rating thing. You know, you probably could sell out 50,000 seat arenas to watch, you know, your favorite player play. But unfortunately, it's not set up like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, hasn't it weird that LeBron's the 230 game on Christmas Day? Like, what a world do we live in now? Right. If you were thinking about it, that game's in Dallas, so it's what an hour an hour behind. Yeah, so it'd be one thirty one thirty local time. Yeah, that's a weird start time. I know it is weird. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe Kemba's gonna get a Christmas Day special like he had last year at the Knicks, since he just had that crazy game Saturday. I hope so. I'm big Kemba yeah, guy. Um, I think we all know this. I'll be honest with you. There's no Christmas Day NFL games that I'm like wanting to watch to begin with. Those games are the Packers and the Dolphins, Broncos, Rams, Bucks, Cardinals. I'm cool. Like, <laughs> give me the NBA. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I agree. Yeah. The Christmas Eve games are kind of fun. Uh, there are some good Christmas Eve games. Um, obviously, I'm sure everybody around here is going to be watching the Bengals Patriots game. So, yeah. Eagles Cowboys. Yeah, without so, Jalen Hurts, my fantasy football team is very upset about this. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm pretty upset. I got to make a waiver claim tomorrow for Gardner Minshew. That's not exciting. No, not at all. Nope. Not at not. all. Maybe he'll miraculously become healthy. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. And Please. play this weekend. Christmas Miracle. Playoffs, round one, and my quarterback. Man, Tim, now that... Now that you've brought up the Christmas Day games for the NBA, like I'm, a, I'm kind of, I don't want to say I'm bummed, but like last year, a couple of those games were fantastic. Yeah, you remember Kemba going crazy? In like the I, I'm always, I mean, forward to like sitting with the family and watching these NBA games, you know, while we're eating and stuff like that. And I'm not saying these games can't be great. There's some other guys that can step up, but like 
you watch because you want to see all the stars playing. Right. Yeah, it's gonna. It's not gonna be the same this year, but you know, it'll still be entertaining because it's Christmas Day basketball. Uh, but hey, before we get any further in this, uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up this week's episode. Uh, thanks for Josh for hopping in uh, a little, you know, a little later. Thanks to Mo Egger for giving us some insight on the Knicks right now. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we will be back here next week, and thank you all. Hope you guys have a great Christmas with your family. Uh, great holiday season. I can't believe we're getting towards the end of 22 or 2022 already. Uh, so please, if as always, if you are watching us on YouTube, whether live or on the rewatch later on, please take two seconds to subscribe to our channel. If you are listening to us on your podcast choice of uh, uh, app of choice, please give us a five star five star review. And if you want to support the brand and buy some of our sweet gear, go to 48minutesbasketballnetwork.merchmake.com. We're good Christmas gifts, good stocking stuffers. So on behalf of Josh, everyone Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you guys next week.